Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of More Than a Podcast with your host James And I am uh, looking forward to this episode I am so excited because we got some really um, big things ahead for you, uh, the listeners So I'm just going to jump right into it as always Today we're going to talk about the new console generation that is on the horizon It is slowly arriving but will be here Uh, Nonetheless, we are going to have two new consoles to usurp uh, the later generation or soon to be later generation in the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series 1X. So a lot of uh, exciting news and rumors and information that has been swirling around in the industry. And I just want to put my feelers out because I want to understand what people are leaning more towards. I've had several conversations uh, in light of these consoles coming out, but it's really hard to talk about something that hasn't arrived yet. So, you know, what I really like to do is I like to uh, basically put everything into a perspective where it's digestible on many different levels. So it's not just that we're going to say, okay, what's better Xbox or, or, um, PlayStation where, you know, I, I want to talk about the things that have been done, the things that are promised to be done and the things that we know will be done. So with that, let's talk about PlayStation's history for a minute. So, well, namefully, we're just going to talk about the PS4. So the PS4, right, that came out seven years ago. Uh, so did so did the Xbox One, but we're going to focus on the PS4. So the PS4, seven years ago, came out in 2013, and that dropped at a price of $399, okay? Uh, $399 um, out the gate, and, you know, people, I mean, at the time, that was a bit expensive, um, you know, I think when we think about 399 now, some of us may still think that's a bit expensive, but I think it's definitely a, a difference between uh, what we would be willing to spend now versus what we were willing to spend then. Uh, but that is not a testament to people uh, wanting to hold their money because uh, Sony sold 106 million PlayStation 4s over their life cycle. So that's a huge number. That's a lot of uh, PlayStations in in people's homes. Um, And that, I believe that would also encompass um, two separate iterations outside of their standard offering. They also uh, produce a slimmer version and also a pro version. So um, yeah, 106 million uh, consoles. Xbox, on the other hand, now I'm not going to say that they did worse But here's the thing. Along with them uh, releasing their console seven years ago, uh, they came out at $100 more than the PlayStation. So they're at $499. And I remember, I I definitely remember the $499 price point was um, with the, it was with the added caveat of what it came with. And at the time, what it came with uh, was their parlor trick, the uh, the Microsoft Connect. And I really think that now I'm not going to sit here and say that the Connect was a failure. I know a lot of you are probably shaking your head and saying, yeah, it was a failure. But, um, you know, it, it you know, game game developers and console manufacturers, they have to take risk. 
And these risks, whether we like them or not, are extremely calculated. And sometimes they just don't pan out. Now, this is just one of those instances where consumers were not ready to take those steps that Microsoft was offering. So, um, you know, there was the DRM and then, you know, the always online and, and um, you know, the uh, and then the connect in itself. And people just weren't happy. So, you know, a lot of time that Sony was spending selling consoles, uh, Microsoft was going back to the drawing board to see where they could trim the fat and make uh, this a more competitive system. Uh, they actually stopped reporting their numbers, um, you know, which would be a sign to most people that, you know, maybe the console's failing, but 50 million estimated is not really a failure it's a you know a little less than half of what uh sony was able to do but 50 million is still a lot that's a really big user base um but i think that for uh i think for lack of what people weren't able to get uh with microsoft they kind of migrated over to playstation 4 i i myself uh was a huge xbox 360 fan i actually was a fan of the original xbox that was uh one, one of the consoles that i that i was really excited about and they seem to be doing nothing but going up but i i absolutely remember when microsoft announced the xbox one i said silently i'm not going to get that i'm just not and even when i had my opportunity to uh play an xbox one i was not impressed i mean it just didn't feel right and i remember um i remember trying I, I think i spent about 10 minutes just trying to navigate the menu and trying to find out how to get to a game so that was just like a telltale that like yeah i'm not even gonna go through the paces of trying to make make this uh, uh an entertainment uh <laughs> an entertainment thing for me i'm just done so uh you know there's that so what were some what were some notable games uh, that each of the past consoles had? So with the PS4 and the Xbox One, what were some of those games that we played? Now, I put a little list together that of games that I feel like are notable, games that I feel like if somebody said, hey, I'm going out to buy a PS4 today, can you recommend some games? Um, these are the games that I would recommend. So uh, God of War came right off the top for me uh then there's bloodborne um which you know that that can be a hit or miss but for me it's a definite hit uh spider-man and one the soon to be released ghost of tsushima so those are just some standout titles that i would definitely put somebody's focus on and if they came out and said hey i would like to buy an xbox one what do you recommend i would say definitely pick up gears 5 sea of thieves halo um, the Master Chief Collection and Forza Horizon 4. Okay, now I'm pretty sure that you, as a listener, has <laughs> you're probably thinking, why didn't you say that? And listen, listen. Um, <laughs> I, you know, you have your list. I have mine. There's nothing wrong with the choices that you made. I just picked out five random games, so um, take that as you will. But um, going forward, thinking about the newer consoles now. Uh, you know, I think one of the more important things that we we think about as consumers is, well, who's who's on 
who's on whose side? Um, namefully, n- namefully as like publishers, who's standing with this developer and saying, I'm going to make sure that your system is the best system out there. Right. And a lot of that has to do with uh, with acquisitions. A lot of that has to do with what what uh, publishers do they have under their immediate umbrella. So it's not always about the um, the relationships that they can harbor, which is a very important thing. But what do you have in your own deck that is able to assure that your system is going to be viable and it's going to be something that people want to spend their hard earned money on? So with that, I I think about the Xbox Series X, right? They're going to have uh, they're going to have some really good publishers. Okay, so they have Double Fine, which uh, if you don't know who Double Fine is, it's uh, headed by Tim Schafer, and uh, Tim Schafer is the creator of Grim Fandango, which was a huge game back then, uh, and I say then very lightly because that was probably my time, but um, also the creator of Psychonauts. So, you know, those are two really big games that he has uh, taken a helm on, and I don't know, like, what, what they expect him to do... Um, now that they have acquired his services, you know, are they going to have him work on a new IP or are they going to have him bring up uh, one of the IPs, one of the many different IPs that he has? Um, who knows? So that that's that's something to look forward to. Um, three, four, three. So that's uh, obviously your Halo developers. So, you know, everybody in the know understands that, you know, Bungie was the original developers of uh, Halo and they have since made themselves independent of Microsoft. And 343 has taken the helm of the Halo franchise. So uh, it's going to be a really exciting time to see Halo Infinite, uh, which I think is on a lot of people's radar who support Microsoft. Um, and yeah, that, that that's one of the givens. I mean, you definitely want to see what they're cooking at every single corner um, that Microsoft is presenting games. Uh, Ninja Theory is another recent acquisition. Uh, they actually did a lot of exclusive work with uh, with Sony. Um, they they actually released Heavenly Sword back on the uh, PlayStation Three, and also uh, Hellblade: Sonic Sacrifice, which was a really 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 cool game. By the way, like if you if you get a chance, play the game. It's super good. Um, Obsidian. Now that's one of the uh, acquisitions that I say. You know you've basically cut out your corner in in uh putting out a great rpg you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna make a great rpg because you have obsidian um if you don't know who obsidian is they are the creators of fallout new vegas and in turn they are the creators of the more recent uh outer worlds the outer worlds and you know, again, if you haven't played The Outer Worlds, I, I, I suggest you play it. It's a really good game. Um, I, I really, you know, I appreciate The Outer World because it came out at a time that it was absolutely needed. Because at the time, um, you know, Fallout 76 had come out and it was not what fans wanted or needed. And so The Outer Worlds countered that release and was everything that we would have hoped uh, Fallout 76 was so I, I I definitely think that it deserves people atten- people's attention if you are someone who is a fan of the Fallout style of gameplay you know with heavy dialogue heavy choices you know consequences things of that nature 
um, then you should definitely play this because it's it's a cool game. I played a lot of it. I actually got to end game, and then I ended up um, I ended up uh, not saving my my save file for my uh, progression, and I could not find it on my PlayStation because I usually keep everything in the cloud. Couldn't find it, so I have to start over. So that's a bummer. Um, Rare is another huge uh, publisher that Microsoft has under their umbrella. Um, you guys know them from uh, games in the past, like um, the original Killer Instinct, uh, Perfect Dark, Conquer, back on N64. Um, they are huge. They're they're a big publisher, but the thing is, is they haven't done anything since. Well, they haven't done anything of notable significance since Microsoft has acquired them. Um, they are the creators of Sea of Thieves. Um, which is a, I, I guess it, it's a good game. I haven't played it, um, but I, I, me personally, I would just hope so much more from Rare um, to, you know, to have their talent take the helm on and, and create something absolutely wonderful because they're capable of it. I mean, they really helped to usher in some of the greatest games that we experienced on the N64 back in the day. And, I, you know, I think with that kind of track record, you definitely want them to be on the forefront. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what they do. Uh, Turn 10. They're the uh, the uh, creators of Forza and Mojang. They're uh, the creators of Minecraft. So it's another uh, another great publisher. So they are fully loaded over at Microsoft. But are they as loaded as Sony? Because Sony has really tough uh, <laughs> publishers on their team. And I'll, I'll kind of go over the differences between what Microsoft has and uh, Sony has. So uh, Sony has Bend Studios. And if you don't know who Bend Studios is, they are the creators of uh, Siphon Filter from back in the day. And also uh, more recently, Days Gone. So and that's another uh, post-apocalyptic game. If you haven't played it, um, it's not just one in the number. It is one of the standout titles. I absolutely uh hope and wish that you go and play that game uh gorilla games they're the creators of Killzone, and more recently the horizon series um they are just good at creating new ips and they are running with the success of the uh first horizon and they're going to have a sequel that's going to be on the ps5 and it looks gorgeous so um definitely look out for gorilla games insomniac um, the creators of Ratchet and Clank are bringing another Ratchet and Clank game over to the PS5, which looks really cool. And also they are uh, the creators of one of the best Spider-Man games that has ever been created. And that's not knocking on any of the games from the past because I was really into the ones that uh, Neversoft did back back when. I really enjoyed those games, but they have really got Spider-Man down uh, over at Insomniac, and they're going to do it again with Spider-Man Miles Morales on the PS5. So I'm super stoked for that. Even though I haven't played the original Spider-Man, when I saw the trailer for Miles Morales, I said, I'm going to play that one. That's the one I'm going to play. Might not play the one with Peter Parker, but I'm definitely going to play the one with Miles. So um, Japan Studios, another huge studio for uh for micro uh, not microsoft for sony see i'm still thinking about microsoft and all of the acquisitions that they make um maybe one day they will buy japan studios yeah right um 
but Japan Studios, um, they're working on Demon Souls, which is something that we as fans of the Souls series have been asking for forever. And it's finally going to happen. So I am super stoked that Japan Studios um, is working on this. So we're going to go ahead and get that. And that's what I've been asking mostly, mostly about them um, as far as what they're releasing is that they work really hard to make it a launch title. That's all I'm asking at this point. Make Demon Souls a launch title. It has to be. Um Naughty Dog, which everybody knows Naughty Dog, uh, they were the they were the creators of uh, Nathan Drake and the Uncharted series. And they are the uh, recent uh, creators of one of the games that can be lauded as one of the greatest games of all time uh, or one of the greatest series of all time in The Last of Us. And uh, more recently, The Last of Us Part Two, um, which is getting a lot of critical acclaim. So, yeah. Um, Polyphony Digital, creators of Gran Turismo, um, is another big studio. So, you know, you're always going to have a really awesome, uh, very detail, detailed uh, driving racing game. So that's cool. Um, Sony's San Diego studio, which is going to always uh, helm their MLB offerings. Uh, they're the only uh, they're the only developer that does a you know, a serious uh, MLB licensed game in MLB the show. I think they have one of those kind of like EA deals where it's kind of like they're the only people that can make that particular, um, you know, they're the only ones that can make a a baseball game, period. I think that's that's their whole groove. Um, And then you got uh, Sucker Punch Studios. So Sucker Punch, they're, you know, um, they made Infamous. um, And Infamous, I think it was uh, First Light, that was my favorite. That it's kind of funny because like I'm not I'm not really a big fan of Infamous, but I played First Light. Um, I hope I'm I hope that's the right one. Um, that was actually the first game I bought on the PS4 when I when I got one, and it was just phenomenal. And I went back and I bought uh, Second Son, but I just didn't like it. I I don't know, but <laughs> there's a but. Um, they are going to be releasing in the next week. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima and I am more than excited for this one because I really enjoy samurai games and this one looks like it is going to be it is going to be astronomically better than any samurai game that we've played so I'm I'm super on board for that um so you know like when I now we we all have our we all have our thoughts on what would make each one of these studios very successful. We have our thoughts on you know what you know what what each one of these studios would have to do in order to maintain their success or grow a little bit of success. So I kind of you know I kind of thought about my little boardroom uh, role play and I was thinking if I could tell Microsoft. Or if I can tell Sony what they need to do within their corporation in order to maintain or grow success, what would I do? What would I say? What would I say if they said, James, what do we need to do? I would say this. So if I was speaking to Sony, if I was at the head of the Sony board and, you know, and I was going to tell them, you know, what would, uh, you know, what they need to do, I would just tell them, keep a steady timeline between their exclusives and their third party games 
and do more to flesh out their online connectivity and their community and incentivize memberships better. So what does that all mean, right? So basically, just keep a keep a nice good trail as far as your releases because they, they tend to do that very well, you know, because if you tell somebody, hey, it's gonna be seven years before you see another Last of Us, then just make it so that between the seven years, I have plenty of great content to play. And like, again, I'm not saying that they don't already do that, but that's something that would definitely be a focal point. Just making sure that we're playing very uh, robust and amazing games in between the ones that we're waiting for. Because Sony has has come to a point where when they release a game, when they release a self-published game or something that's under their umbrella, we are absolutely listening. So let's just make sure that every time they speak, you know, it is worth the weight of the consumer. And that is the important thing. Um, again, the other thing that I was thinking that, that you know, I, one thing that I feel that they don't have a big grasp on is the connectivity of the community. You know, they uh, everything's kind of ran on the PlayStation 4 currently. Uh, just like a FAQ and um, it's really hard um, getting and this is just my this is just my experience I mean maybe somebody can look at this and and it might be a little easier for you but uh, you know how how you get connected to people is just very difficult as far as my experience it's not as difficult as it is on the switch but you know it's kind of like you got to go into uh into a community uh boardroom and then you got to make a request and then you got to make sure that your request is being heard and blah 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 and it's just this big thing and they have to they have to streamline that they have to find a way to streamline it so that it's easier to connect with the people who are uh in line with the request that you're making and just get you guys connected so that you guys can play and have fun that's it. So, um, and I think that they need to do uh better. They they need to make a better um incentive for their their plus um you know their plus membership. I think you know to ask people to invest in uh, plus membership in order to play online with people. I think there has to be uh something given in addition outside of you know the uh. You know, like, okay, so they give they give about two games away a month, right? But make the games m better. I'm sorry, because, you know, there, there's there's a lot of uh, independent releases and a lot of uh, subpar titles, a lot of, you know, single A titles that we as consumers don't care about. But if you turn around and you give me a triple A title and tell me that it's mine as long as I keep uh, this membership going, I'm probably going to keep the membership going for quite some time. So there's that to consider. Um, but I really don't see the value even today in keeping my membership up because um, one, online gaming is not as important to me at this moment. And two, uh, you know, the hundreds of games that I have been given over the life cycle of the PlayStation 4, I just don't care about that much. Like, I don't care about it to the point and then when they do give away a triple A title, guess what? I already have it. So, you know, they you have to you have to make an unexpected curve um in order to really incentivize people cuz if you, you know, if I buy a PlayStation 5 and you tell me that within the first month that um Ratchet and Clank is a part of your your plus program or whatever you're going to do and that means I don't have to buy it, I can just pay, you know, a a 
you know, substantially lower fee and, and have it in my library as long as I keep that, you know, it would it would take me more than a few months to equal up to the cost of the game. So that would be beneficial to me. So that's the incentive. So I, I feel like they have to work better to give better games. And I know that it has a lot to do with the relationships that they have with publishers and, you know, what what revenue they're trying to, you know, make in-house. It, it's a big to do about nothing <laughs> you know like just put the games on there and just make it so everybody's getting a little bit of something and i feel like there there may be some kind of there there i think that they can find a way to restructure their plus program incentive i think that with the playstation 5 there has to be something that they put out that's going to make plus seem like it, it's a must-have because everybody on microsoft's side they believe that Game Pass is a must-have. And there's a huge reason why, because what they put on Game Pass is phenomenal. And it's at a and it's at a cost that people can afford. So what would I tell Microsoft? If I was in their boardroom and I had something to say to them, I would tell them, get back into the Japanese market and secure the unique titles. Because Japan, you know, Japan is really the forefather of video game history and everything may not have to pass through them but it definitely is a blessing when you can get them to get on board with what you do i believe that because they do it for us they do it for us you have to make you have to make an incentive for people who may not be used to your domestic approach and you need to make it approachable for them. And that's huge. That's a, that's a big thing. And I think that's very important. So even if it meant like, okay, so you have your Xbox Series 1X and it looks like a big rectangle standing up. If that's not what they want, if what they want is something that is the size of a coaster and you can fit it in the size of a coaster, then make it the size of a coaster and just just acquiesce to the request of the people that you want to invest in your future because that is important you can't just take your domestic approach and just put it on their shelves and say take the big block because this is what we have you have to i mean we all had the nes system right the big gray block but then they had the famicon over there and it was burgundy and gold i mean i would have much rather had one of those to tell you the truth but they they created to the sensibilities of the domestic Western market. That's what they did. That's how they did. And, you know, and, and it, it happens for a lot of different systems. So why doesn't it happen with Microsoft? They have to do better with that. If it means you have to make, make it a, a more attractive color, if it means, you know, if, if it means you have to do it in color schemes or whatever, do what you have to do to appease to the market that really can put you on the map because it's important. And again, you got to go out and get those unique titles. You have to sign off on titles that, you know, even if even if it's not 100,000 people that say that they want to play it, if it's 50, just take the 50. I know it doesn't make marketable sense, but in time, those 50 people can grassroot a game and turn it into a million overnight. It's it works like that. 
you know, I think with Microsoft, they try a lot to capture, they try a lot to capture, um, you know, moments, you know, which is why they acquire so many different publishers because they catch publishers in the moment. And what they don't understand is that moments are fleeting. So by the time they've, uh, you know, sign the check, these people are, I don't want to say they're not capable of recapturing that, but the, the part that they wanted is kind of over, right? Like, Minecraft is still huge, but it's no Fortnite. You get what I'm saying? Like, like the takeover is real. There's always going to be something bigger on the horizon. And you have to be ready to move on things like that. Not so much to say, oh, we just completely need to take you over and bring you over here. But do the smart thing. Invest your time and your effort and your will into people that are bringing you know, sparks and, and, and somewhere down the line, you, you'll get a flame. I'm just saying that's me being all philosophical, but whatever. Um, also I would tell them, let the studios you acquire work on the things that made them famous. That is huge. You gotta let, you gotta let rare make a perfect dark. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta let Double Fine make a really awesome Psychonauts. You gotta let people do with what, what makes them famous. You got to, you know, it's cool that, you know, you can't take a Lionhead Studios and then dissolve them and then tell me that there's going to be a Fable 4 coming out because my thought as a consumer, and this is me personally, if it isn't Lionhead, I'm not playing. That's just me, but I digress. Um, and then I would also tell them, uh, once you get running, then work on the ambitious projects. Keep building on the community aspect of the online resources and make the user interface accessible again. Yeah, because nobody likes Windows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I if I wanted to, if I wanted to play on my PC, I'd play on my PC. So just get back to the interfaces that work. Because, like, I'm like somebody who, when I think of Microsoft, I think the best interface they've ever had was the one on 360. That's my f personal choice. My personal favorite uh, uh, interface was the Xbox 360s with your avatar and all. That was just huge. I love that. That was awesome. It was amazing. It made me feel like uh, I was a part of the larger community at hand. So that's that. Um so what are my thoughts on the systems going in? So I'm just going to go over some of the simpler things and just basically tell you um, how I feel about each one. So which out of the two systems, the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox uh, One Series X, which one has the better design? In my opinion, I think it's the Xbox Series X. And the reason I think that is because it's something that's like really it's something really cool and mysterious about it. I mean, yeah, like when you when you you can you can make a humorous joke and say, oh, it's just a big rectangle. But I don't know, like it's it's just something that just evokes power. Like you just look at it and you're just like, there is something really powerful going on in that box. And I don't know what it is, but I'm definitely I definitely want to check it out. And I think that's what's important, you know, when it comes, you know, to uh, to how we feel about consoles and how we feel about games. It's the way that they look, you know, when people look at them, you know, like 
the Xbox Series One X looks like one of those consoles. I mean, both both of them do. I think if both of them were sitting in a living room and somebody came in that hadn't been to your home, you know, there would definitely be the ooh, what's that? Um, but I'd be I'd be prone to get a little closer to check out an Xbox uh, Series X. Um, who has the best controller as far as what we've seen and what is soon to come? Because I don't think Microsoft's going to stray very far away from their uh, elite series controllers. Um, and I think, yeah, it's Xbox Series X. Um, you know, they they started, you know, they, they're, they're a company that at that point they listened. You know, they came out of the gate in the very uh, beginning. They had the Duke controller um, and... Nobody was having that, so then they turned around and made the S controller, and the S controller is, you know, one of the better controllers that has been offered, and now, you know, like, they have just gone and made some of the more the most comfortable and accessible controllers that, that we have, you know, to date. Um, so, yeah, I think they have that. Who has the uh, best user interface? I would say nobody, because we haven't seen either one of them. Um, and who has the best potential launch titles? I think it's a tie. I think that both of them have really, they have the potential to, to really have some really good titles coming out. So, you know, uh, until we see the game showcase um, on the 23rd, we can't really say like, oh, Microsoft just completely has this. So, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, um, you know, we're going to just say that they're going to win. But, you know, after the 23rd, we'll have a we'll have a real a real grasp on who exactly, um, you know, is going to come out of the gate at the very least with the most titles. So that's what I'm going to say in closing. Um, but before I go, I have a giveaway to, to do. So with this giveaway, I wanted to announce the winner. I'm also going to notify the winner uh, online and uh, the winner that I have uh, for the contest. Um, I actually did the, the choosing last night um, uh, 12 a.m. So um, my winner is uh, Max Clofield. So Max, you've won yourself a free game. I'll be reaching out to you on social media. Um, we'll get your information so we can get you your game and all will be well in the world. Well, that's going to do it, guys. Hopefully this was a really insightful episode for you guys. I really enjoyed it, like always. And um, I'm looking forward to the next episode because that's going to be my 64th episode. And you can only imagine what I plan to talk about then. <laughs> so with that being said, guys, take care of yourselves and each other. And I will see you guys next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>